it's great to be again here. <laughs> um, I had uh, for the ones who uh, were not here last week, we're studying the book of Jonah, and we're gonna do it in three weeks. So today, this week, we're uh, we're gonna do chapter two and three, and hopefully, we can learn more. The thing that I um, I mentioned last week was to see the story not as if we are we already know what's happening next. Because we know these stories since we were kids in kids' school. We know that it's divided into different parts. Jonah's running away, then he gets eaten by the fish, and then the fish takes him uh, to the port, and then he goes back. He goes to Nineveh and, you know, all this. But we know this story. So, but now, so we're going to study in every, uh, in little details, little things. I know we're... This story, it's so uh, um, deep. If we go into, I was looking at, at a couple of uh, studies about this uh, chapter two mostly. Uh, when it compares every single suffering, every single thing that Jonah's dealing with, with the Lord's Supper, and then, you know, how uh, every detail it, it goes, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty nice and, and very interesting, but I'm not teaching that today. So, if you guys want to check it out, it's all over their place, and, and you know it's. But we don't have the time, and I really I'm not good at teaching that kind of stuff either. So, what I'm gonna where we're gonna go for today is uh, we're gonna read chapter two completely, and then we're gonna go from there. Okay, so we're gonna go chapter two. So it said then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I call, out, I call out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of the, of the shoal, uh, I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I'm driven away by your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters close in over me uh, to take my life. Uh, the deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me up in my life from the pit, O oh Lord my God. When my life was uh, fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who, pray, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. My salvation, uh, salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and he vomited John up out of, upon dry land. Okay. So, this chapter is a lot about the prayer, and it's titled The Prayer of Noah. But basically, this is not, if you look at the details of this prayer, I highly doubt that Jonah was praying this way. I highly doubt that he was like playing, like praying, like, like saying, oh, I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. So basically, what I can see here, the Jonah's prayer is based on 
verse 2 and verse 4, where it says, I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from the deep, and you heard my voice. So basically, Jonah's prayer was basically just, help me, Lord. <laughs> that was it. It wasn't like all these things. He was just explaining what was going on inside in the story. What was he feeling? What was he going through? But it was not his prayer right there. His prayer was based on what he was feeling. He was just yelling, crying like any of us would be in a difficult situation. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation when you're trying, when you're, uh, I'm not uh, a good swimmer, uh, but I know how to swim. I don't know how to float. I know how to do the crocodile. The floating style. So, I, I, so I, I'm not a good swimmer. And usually when I try to swim, I get cramps. And then I, so I try to run and try to find uh, the shore to, to get close to the, to the don't drown. And basically what I do is I never, uh, I never talk when I'm drowning. And that's why we don't. I know how in these movies where they show these people like, help me, I'm drowning. People don't drown like that. People, when, when they're, they're, people are trying to save their own lives, they're saving their own air to try to stay afloat. They never yell. They don't have the time to yell. They're just trying to figure out how to get some more air. And that's what we do sometimes. So, so Jonah's prayer, that's, that, that's my, the thing. And, and it's wonderful that the Lord heard that prayer. What I, what I um, feel... That uh, that I I don't know the only moment that he says I remember the Lord when his life was fading away, and sometimes that's what we do. Sometimes the last resource that we have is the Lord. It's like okay, I tried everything I can. I tried everything I do. I was running away. No, Jonah wasn't thinking about the Lord when he was running away, when he was sleeping in the boat, when he was going all the, doing all these things. All he was, he remembered the Lord when it was the last minute of his life. And then, God, and then he just said a couple words, and the Lord came to him and saved him. So it's, uh, so this is the first part where I can see a lot of God's mercy. Not just in, uh, in Jonah, but also in his purpose and, and what he was meant to, he had to do. So, so it's, um, I know uh, one thing that I can see, it's, uh, and that was so relieving to, for us to understand, that we usually have that tendency of trying to use the right words to pray. Use the right uh, 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 you know, the vocabulary, like pretending that God is going to be at, the, uh, at his throne. He's going to like, hey, look, uh, li- listen to this guy. How, what a homiletics this guy has. Like, look, it's, this guy is so impressive, the way he prays, the way he talks. But it's not. You see, God, when we pray, he wants to listen to our heart mostly. And, and sometimes the words are too much. That we, we don't go to what uh, we actually feel and what we are asking. If you, if you remember on the stories where Jesus was walking, there was the guy who was like, Hey, God, uh, uh, Jesus, son of David, come save me. Please have mercy on me. That was his prayer. And he got it. So he, it's not about which words we use, which words. And that's so 
uh, freeing, so uh, I feel so, uh, you know, compelled and so amazed of how God is not somebody that we have to impress. It's not impressed about how we're going to pray for him and what are we going to talk to them, to him. And that's, and, and, and this is one thing. Um, we work, and every week I work with people uh, that are, um, they're always asking for prayer. And that's one of the highest uh, requests that we get every week. People say, can, I have a, can, I, can, I, can you pray for us? Can you pray for me? Can you uh, pray for us? And I, and I always answer, we can pray with you, but we're not going to pray for you. Because we all have access to the Lord. There's no way, like, if my prayer is going to be more powerful than others, that, that you're praying. Nobody has, a, a, like, a, a closer uh, stage of, of where God is. And that's what I always say. We always say, and I talk to the people who do the counseling, it's like, you know, if you're going to be talking, if I, they ask you for prayer, it's like, no, we can pray with you. But we're not going to pray for you because that's part of you. And that's what your relationship with God will be in all the moments. And the last moment, and when we see the struggles, that's when God comes to us and prays. And then, in the last chapter, so the Lord commanded the fish and he vomited Jonah onto dry land. Nineveh. When I, um, if, uh, for last week, we saw a map or where Nineveh was and, and where... Uh, Joppa, and where Tarshish was. So when Jonah was vomited into the dry land, he didn't vomit him on Nineveh, because Nineveh was like 550 miles off the, off the beach. So sometimes we think that, oh, uh, the fish just, you know, took him over to, to where he had to pray. And we have heard so many times about that thing. But it's not. You know, sometimes, and I remember when I was a kid, I used to, my mom used to tell me all the time, hey, uh, wash the dishes. And I'll be, I didn't like washing dishes. So I would go and see what she was doing. I was trying to help her out, being, going around with her, and then talking to her. How was your day, mama? You know, trying to, like, escape from my, what I was supposed to do, but then, she will go downstairs, and then she will see all the, you didn't wash the dishes? And then she will smack me. <laughs> and then I was like, but I was helping you what you were doing. Yeah, but you weren't doing what I was supposed to do. So what do you want me to do now? So, well, now you have to go wash the dishes. So basically, so Jonah, so I see something like that, that God is doing to Jonah. He's like, hey, you know, like, you know, those people, the sailors, they were saved, you know. I did something already, but no. It didn't happen like that. So you have to, you have to go back to Nineveh. And that's why we go to the next chapter. That's why I'm not... Uh, so, so in chapter, uh, okay. Uh, okay. I lost the uh, slide. That's it? Okay. Okay, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message I tell you. So Jonah rose 
and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in, in breadth. Jonah began into the city, going to the day journey, all out yet forty days, and Nineveh, Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself in sad clothes, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by a decree of the king and his nobles, let neither men nor beasts herd or flocks, take not feed or drink water, but let men and bees be covered in sackcloth, and let them call out mildly to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the in his hands. Who God might turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger, so that we might not perish. When God saw what they did, their evil way, and God relented from the, of the disaster that he had said uh, he would do to them, and he didn't do it. So, there's a couple of things in here. Like I said, he had to do, he, he had a plan. Everything was going to go as he was going to say, but now, what I, what I can picture, and I, I think one of the greatest things of this story is that we might get the wrong idea of salvation. I, there's a huge number now of, uh, uh, I, that I've seen a lot of uh, sermons and a lot of uh, uh, things going around about uh, people preaching about the destruction, the, the end is coming, you know, all these things that are happening. And people are following God and going to church and doing all these things because of fear. It's like, I don't want to go to hell. That's why I follow God. And, that, and, and, and sometimes they put even, even these, take these philosophies and all these uh, uh, comparison of the uh, revelations and, and, and make it all seem like, you know, Russia and China and all these countries and, all, and make these huge maps of these things of what's going to happen. And people are scared. And then they say, oh, okay, but if you follow the Lord, then none of this will happen to you. But honestly, that's not what God, is one from, what God wants from us. Because fear can take you far, but it's not going to take you to wherever you want to go. And that's what happens when we believe in God. We know the gospel. We understand that God paid everything in the cross. We know that everything uh, happened uh, because of something, because we needed to be saved. But it was not because of, you know, if, if you don't do this, then you'll just be destroyed. And that's your end, and that's your thing. It's, uh, there's a thing about preaching half of the truth. It's so uh, dangerous as just preaching nothing or telling lies. So 
So when we preach uh, about this, the destruction, there, there, you know, there will be a new heaven and earth. There will be definitely something that's happening and uh, for the people who, who don't believe in God. But that's not the whole truth. That's not the whole gospel. The gospel complete is that God has put somebody, which was Jesus, to save us from all that destruction. And there's hope. So basically, the people from Nineveh converted... And everybody changed, but it was not because of the good reason. It was not because they loved God. It was because they were scared of what was happening. And that's one of the things that, that, that what they did. They sacrificed. They did all these things. They tried to be uh, self-righteous and everything. But that, that wouldn't take them too far. If you see later in the, in the couple of books, Nineveh ends up being destroyed. Because they, uh, it was not, they didn't fall into a relationship with God. There's a common thing that happens usually, especially when, you know, there's earthquakes, there's fires, there are things that happen all around the city. And you see all the churches get so packed of people. They're like, oh, yeah, this is happening. There's a, uh, you know, there's a thing, there's a war, and then, all the churches, and then there's a lot of, like, it's looked like it's a, people wanting to have more about God, but they just want to run away from their sin. They are loving. They, they're just loving their lives. And that's why we, and we do all that. We want to save our own skin all the time. We want to be, you know, in a safe place. We want to be in a safe spot, but we're not in the right place. There's a there's a verse in uh, 1 John 4.18 that says, There's no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection of love. And that's what God wants from us. It's not that we like, he doesn't want us to follow him because what's gonna, what will end up happening to us if we don't follow him is because we love him. And it's because we have a relationship with him. And that's why uh, I, I could, uh, and uh, we could see in the whole, in, in this story, that Jonah, his message was simple. There will be destruction. If you see the whole text, it's just things that they have no, there's no merciful, there's no saving, there's no salvation, there's no hope. It's like, this is what's going to happen. And then the, the, even the king said, maybe God will relent from, his, from, his, from what, what he's going to do. But that's not what God wants from you. God doesn't want you to obey him or to be with him or to spend time with him just because he's, he's going to destroy you if you don't. But God saw that. And he had mercy on them. But honestly, there's a big difference of what happened over there. We saw mercy, but we didn't see grace for them. If it was justice, they will all be destroyed, like he had said. If, but God offered mercy to them. So what he did was he gave them another chance, basically. Like, okay, I'm not, just not going to destroy you. 
but it didn't say he adopted them as their as their people. He, they just uh, started doing all these things, and God was forgiving about them. And, and, and that's what sometimes happened to us. We're trying to do all the things, but, oh, okay, I just want to make you happy. And that's what other gods do. You know, you try to keep them happy. As, you know, I'll do these so you I have no issues with you, but I, I don't want to have a relationship with you. And I think what that, that's one of the, uh, the things that makes... Uh, more uh, um, that are more common in, the, in this book. It's always not trying to have the relationship with God. It's always trying to have just uh, freedom and have peace with the Lord. And I, when I, when I see about how Jonah and 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 and, and all this story, how it's going. I can see how God still thinks about his people. It was not basically like he, he just, there's a big difference with justice, mercy, and grace. And, I, I, and this is like one of the things that I want to uh, clarify uh, today in this situation. God there's a different ways to have relationship with God, and there's all of us. And sometimes we do, and then some, I know that we don't have always answers for everything that's happening. But there's always uh, an option of having uh, uh, what God wants from us. So there's a, there's a book that uh, I was reading uh, a, a while ago that says I'm not... I'm not waving, I'm drowning. And it's focused on people who are going in depression and is going on and, uh, uh, pain and suffering. And all they do is they try to do things to get attention or do things to, to actually to be uh, taught. And all they do is from the shore is they just get way bags. Like I said in, uh, like at the beginning, there was, there's, when people are drowning, they're not yelling and screaming. They're actually trying to save their lives, and usually they're making signs or like doing all these things, but they're drowning. And people from the shore, though, the way, oh, he's just saying bye. And people are just saying bye to them. And that's sometimes what we do when we're trying to, uh, when, we're try when we feel uh, like that we have nothing, we have no other options. When we feel like God is not, like, you know, like we're trying, every one of us has, was, uh, came uh, with one part that was missing, and that was Jesus. And we're always looking for that little piece everywhere. And we never find it. But when we go, and we're trying to do all these things to fill out that little piece that we're missing, that little part of the puzzle that's, that's unmatchable, that's the gospel that in our lives that's missing. And we're doing all these things to fill out this space, this space, but it never goes us. And that's what we do. We try to do all these skits, do all these things, and we use it sometimes as sacrifice. We try to focus it on religion or even thoughts, ideas, or even like anything that we do to get attention from the people but there's no one. Everybody's just waving back at us. 
from the shore. And, but eventually, we're drowning. And we're dying. And we, the more we try, the more we try to go somewhere, the more we try to, uh, like, fill out that space, all we do is just drown and go deeper. And our, and our life goes away. To the, what is great about that is that God knows what we're thinking. And he's not in the shore. He's out there. He's looking at us. And then all we have to do is, like, like it, it's everything that Jonah was doing. Just, just be like, okay, well, Lord, help me. Just go back to the gospel. And there's a couple of things that we might do. With John, John has uh, been telling me how to find a B message in here. <laughs> and the B message could be like, okay, so just go. Uh, if, you, if, you're, if you're away from God, just go and start fasting and start doing all this thing, all this sacrifice, and do anything, you know, to, to, to get the grace of God. But there's, that's not what we are. And that's why there's a lot of people who are away, running away from God because they were taught that they had to do something in order to get God's mercy and God's love, in order to earn God's care and God, God's uh, freedom. But it was not. It's not like that. It doesn't work like that. It was all paid in the cross. And that's all what we need. It was all out there. And there's nothing that we could do to actually earn salvation. It's everything about Jesus. You know, when we see the two examples, and like uh, we, we ended up saying always, there's always Jesus. Everything goes back to the real Jesus who did. You know, Jonah was running away from God, and the last resource that he found was Jesus. It was, it was trying to find the Lord. But then God, when Jesus was here, First thing he did on, on Thursday before he dying on Friday was going to the Lord. He knew what was happening. He knew what was going on. And the first thing he did was go to the Lord and ask for help. And he, and he did. And you see the big, uh, the bad version of the, of, uh, of the Savior and the good version of the Savior is Jesus. And he's just there trying to save us and doing all these things. And, and we end up being this guy who just trying to save ourselves. But it doesn't happen like that. So when I, when I, when I just to conclude in these two chapters, I, I would like to do an exercise with each other to actually see when was the last time that we saw Jesus with the right eyes as our Savior. Not as our, you know, like, uh, of my way out of condemnation, but as our way out to freedom, to, 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 be, the, uh, to, to be the sons of God. There's a a beautiful uh, poem that was written uh, by, um, it, it was in Spanish, and it was so hard to translate it, so I did a little, I, I, I tried my best. <laughs> I am sorry. 
So, and it says, it doesn't move me, my God, to love you. The heaven that you promised me, nor does the dreaded hell move me to stop offending you for, of it. You move me, Lord. You move me by seeing you nailed in the cross and scorned. You move me by seeing your body so wounded. Your insults move me and your death. You move me with your love in such a way that even if there were no heaven, I would love you. And even if there were no hell, I would fear you. You don't have to give me anything for me to love you. For even if I didn't expect what I expect, I will still love you for the same way I love you. And it's a perspective of how the actual love of Jesus can come to us. How experiencing the real love of God. It's not about what you give me. It's not about what you have, what you have for me. It's not about what we can achieve when we have you. It's not uh, going, you know, this, uh, uh, this uh, pyramid uh, of, of, of uh, holiness or, or wisdom or impressiveness that, that can happen. There's nothing like that. It's all our relationship with Jesus, all our relationship with God that can lead us to real freedom. And we see it all the time. And from the beginning of time, there was Jesus always trying to picture us that the only way for salvation is our relationship with God. God never wanted us to be part of a cult, to be part of anything. He just wanted to be his family, his, be with him. And that was his purpose. He was always trying to be with us. He was, since the beginning, since he was led the people from Israel in the desert, he was like, I want to be in the middle of you. I want to be in your house. I want to be, in, like, around you, in the middle of you. I want to be the first and last thing. That's what he wanted. He doesn't ask much. But sometimes we think we are. God is asking too much for me. So God is trying to do, asking me too much. But in honesty, when we got married, we didn't say, oh, she wants me to be with me. She wants to be with me all day. She wants to, like, you know, uh, stay with me, uh, go to sleep with me, go uh, spend time with me all the time. We never, it, it wasn't like that. We just said, she wants too much. I have to leave my parents. I have to leave my, you know, everything just to go with this woman. It didn't happen like that. So when we see God, when Jesus, what Jesus is expecting from us, it's just that kind of relationship that we can have. Like, we'll be excited to be with him. We love him because it's true love. And that's the greatest relationship that we can have with Jesus. So, and the last verse is that when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. And I, as, uh, as we can see all in this, it was not that he adopted them as their new people. Uh, if you see the people from Assyria, they were, they were the sons of... Uh, one of the uh, sons of uh, Noah who had, uh, you know, who has sought his uh, sin against his father, 
and all these things. Since then, they were separated, and then they were all uh, became evil and bad people who who were not uh, following God. And but but I can see the shift of the way that God relented, because there was people. And then at the end of the chat, the end of of the book, he says, you know, that's nothing. You think I, I won't have mercy for these people, that they don't even know where their right hand or left is it? So I can see a God that's loving, a God that's caring, a God that's, uh, the, that's with the people and trying to be with them. But at the same time, there's people basically don't want nothing to do with him. These people just want to be in peace. And that's how uh, that's we, how we live. So the application for this sermon is: we don't we 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 don't try to gain any salvation. We don't try to gain anything. All we want to do is have a relationship. And the same way that we want to have a relationship with God, the same relationship that we can have with one another. We might have differences and different thoughts and different ideas and different things, but we still, you know, we have one faith, and that's what unites us. And the, uh, what we were reading in the, in, the, uh, in, this, uh, in the reading part, we were, we were seeing that, you know, each body, we are all one body, but not every, pe- every part works the same way. So we're all different, and thankfully we are. And I, it's great to have a church like to be part of a church like this where, you know, we're all different from different areas and we work in different areas and we do all these things. And that's how God loves it. He unites us in one thing through the gospel. And that's how we can reach out more people for God and his kingdom. And the best way that we do is to, to deal uh, like loving one another, loving each other. And that's the greatest thing that we can have as a 